Well, we are continuing our study of the life and the times of God's Old Testament prophet Elijah. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn, open them with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. We are learning about the power of an obedient life. Elijah was a man of power, and that power came directly from his commitment to live a life of absolute and unconditional obedience to God. I want you to know that one of the great tragedies in the world today is the powerlessness of a powerful people known as the Church of Jesus Christ. And that powerlessness oftentimes can be traced directly back to this issue of obedience. Because you see this morning, God wants to know one single thing. Are you going to do what He tells you to do? That's it. Are you going to obey God, not just when obedience is easy, but when obedience is hard, when it is costly, when it is risky, when it takes you out of the comfortable and the predictable, when it challenges the norms of our culture, when it goes against the popular thought of the day? You see, it is obedience to God in the hard things that causes God to release his power. It is obedience in the difficult things and the risky things and the costly things that cuts loose the supernatural power of God in your life. And we're going to see that this morning as we continue to look at this story we began looking at last time in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah and the battle of the gods. Now, if you were here last week, you understand that one of the reasons why Elijah had the kind of power that he had was because he lived a life of conviction. He was a man of conviction. Elijah knew what he believed. He knew where he stood and who he served, and he didn't back down from that for anything or anybody. And that's why he could burst into into the palace of King Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, and say, Ahab, heaven is closed. Because of your disobedience and the disobedience of this nation, there will be neither dew nor rain in the land again until I say so. That's why he could say in uh, chapter 18, verse 18, as we saw last week, Ahab, I'm not the troublemaker. You're the troublemaker. You've turned away from the Lord. You've led this nation into the worship of Baal. I'm not the reason for this mess we're in. You're the reason for this mess we're in. I'm not the troublemaker. You are. Elijah could do that because he had the courage of his convictions. 
He didn't shrink back from those convictions, no matter what, no matter the risk, no matter the danger, no matter the opposition from the people around him. And that's why God was able to use him in such a powerful way to bring revival to his culture and to completely change his nation. My friend, let me tell you something. We need some Elijahs today. We need some men and some women of conviction. And that's the only way God will be able to use you like he used Elijah. So how do you become a man or a woman of conviction? That is the question we're trying to answer as we look at these verses together. When, when so many forces and factors are pulling at us, when, when the pressure is against us, when our friends say we're crazy, when nobody will stand with us, when obedience is costly, how can I have the courage of my convictions? Well, three things. We looked at the first one last week. I can live a life of conviction when I'm totally committed to the person of God. I can live a life of conviction when I am totally committed to the person of God. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, we saw where Elijah went before the people and he said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. In other words, would you make a decision? Would you make a commitment about who you're going to follow and then stick by it? Would you decide that if God is really God, if he is who he says he is, if he is who his word says he is, then make the commitment to follow him, not halfway, not half-heartedly, not sometimes, not even most of the time, but all of the time, totally, absolutely, unashamedly, unreservedly, unequivocally, all the way, all the time. If God is God, follow him. If, on the other hand, Baal is God, then okay, make a commitment to follow him. And in our case, Baal may be the advice of our friends. It may be the popular opinion of the day. It may be the direction of the crowd. It may be the easy way out. It may be the path of least resistance. It may be the choice that benefits us the most financially. It may be the decision that makes the most people happy. As we said last week, Baal can be anything because anything that is not God's way is Baal's way. And Elijah said, we can't flip-flop back and forth like that. Sometimes God's way, sometimes somebody else's way, maybe our own way. We can't do that and be men and women of conviction. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Go all the way with God or don't go with God at all, but get off the fence. Don't try to have it both ways. Don't try to have the best of both worlds. The journey toward being a man and a woman of conviction begins with a total commitment to the person of God. Now, we've got to settle that issue first. or We're not going to go anywhere in our Christian lives, let alone see God use us in the way that he used Elijah. So that's the first thing. This morning we're going to look at the second step of this journey. 
What do we need to do if we're going to be men and women of conviction? Well, number two, I can live a life of conviction when I am totally confident in the power of God. Totally committed to the person of God, number one, but totally confident in the power of God, number two. Let me tell you something about Elijah. He was a man who was totally confident in the power of his God. He knew what God was able to do, and because he knew what God was able to do, he wasn't afraid to do what God told him to do. And again, that, that's why he was able to burst into the palace of Ahab and say, heaven is closed. Let me tell you something. If you burst into the palace of the king and you say heaven is closed and you don't have a God who's powerful enough to close up heaven, my friend, you're in trouble. Big trouble. Elijah knew his God was powerful enough to close up heaven. He didn't have any doubts about the power of his God. And let me tell you why this is so important. If you're going to have the courage of your convictions, then you have got to know without any shadow of a doubt that the things you say, the stands that you take, the, direct, the, the decisions you make, and the directions you move out in are backed up by a God who's going to come through for you when the going gets tough. Because the going's going to get tough if you determine you're going to live a life of total obedience to God. You've got to have some confidence in the power of your God to come through for you when you live a life of obedience before him. Elijah was confident. He knew his God had the power to come through for him when he was living a life of obedience. And nowhere do we see that more clearly than we're going to see it here in 1 Kings chapter 18. Now I want you to look with me at verses 22 through 24. Let's read them together. They're there in your message guide. So Elijah said to all the people, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. So get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now, church, here's the question on the floor this morning. Are you ready? I want you to listen to it carefully, fill in the blanks. Here's the question on the floor. How much do you believe in God? How much do you believe in God? The question is not, 
Do you believe in God? Most of us would raise our hands this morning and say we believe in God, but that is not the question. The question is, how much do you believe in God? A lot of people believe in God. They just don't believe in Him very much. In other words, they believe if they get serious about following God, if they get really serious about doing what God tells them to do, living the way God tells them to live, then God will somehow leave them hanging out on a limb somewhere, and one day somebody's going to come along, something's going to come along, and cut it off. In other words, they don't believe God's way really works, that God's way is really worth it. Preacher, hey, I can't do that. I'd never make it financially. Preacher, that won't work. Why, I'd fall flat on my face. God, I can't take that kind of stand. Why, I'd lose my job. I'd lose my friends. I'd have to give up my dreams. I can't go there. I can't do that. I can't afford it financially, socially, relationally. It just won't work for me. (laughs) You see, a lot of people believe in God. They just don't believe in Him enough to do the things He tells them to do. And part of the reason for that is because they don't have confidence in God's power to come through for them if they give Him absolute, unconditional obedience. They don't believe that God will really provide, or they don't believe that God will really protect, or they don't believe that God will really bless, or they don't believe that God's way is really the best way of all. But Elijah had no such fears. He believed in the power of God to come through for him when he was obedient. Now, I want to show you how much Elijah believed in God. I want to show you how confident he was in the power of his God. Three things here. Three demonstrations of Elijah's confidence in the power of God. Number one, he believed in the power of God when he was outnumbered. Look at verse 19 here. How many prophets of Baal were there? 450. How many prophets of the Asherah? 400. All right? That's 850 on one side and one on the other. And as we just read a moment ago, they're going to try to call down fire from heaven. Now, listen. Even if Baal lost the firefight, he could probably win the fist fight, right? 850 to 1. Talk about being outnumbered. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you're in the minority when you're trying to follow God? When you're trying to do what you know God's Word is telling you to do, when you're really genuinely wanting to honor God with your life and be like Jesus 
Have you ever felt like you were in the minority? Elijah knew what it felt like to be in the minority. 850 to 1. But he didn't back down. And he didn't back up. Why? Because he was confident in the power of his God to come through for him when he lived a life of obedience, even when he was outnumbered. Secondly, Elijah believed in the power of his God, even when he was in the heart of enemy territory. If you look at verse 19 there of 1 Kings chapter 18, you'll see that everything that's going to take place here in 1 Kings chapter 18 is going to take place at a place called Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel was the center of pagan worship in the nation of Israel at that time. It was the most sacred place for the worship of the Canaanite god, Baal. You see, Elijah was not in church here where everybody was praying for him. He wasn't in a life group when he had all kinds of support around it. He wasn't sitting in a worship service where the presence of the Lord was evident and powerful. He was in the heart of enemy territory, alone, surrounded by people who didn't like him, surrounded by people who wanted to hurt him. But he was undaunted. He was unflinching. He wasn't the least bit intimidated. Why? Because he was confident in the power of God to come through for him when he was living a life of obedience. And then thirdly and finally, he believed in God even when Baal seemed to be the better choice or the logical, more logical choice. Let me tell you about Baal. Baal was the nature god of the Canaanites. Baal was the god of the lightning, the god of the fire from heaven. And if you look, verse 24 reminds us that the test was going to be what? The god who answers by fire. So everybody knew Baal was the God of the fire from heaven, the God of the lightning. He should have had this thing sewed up, right? But again, Elijah was confident even when Baal seemed to be the more logical choice. He wasn't intimidated and he wasn't afraid. So look at these things again outnumbered, in the heart of enemy territory, and to everybody else, Baal seemed to be the logical choice. Does any of that sound familiar to you today? Any of that sound familiar? Folks, this is where we live. This is where you live. This is where I live as the people of God Today, 
And we can't be intimidated either. And we can't be afraid either. We've got to stop making excuses and crying. Well, oh, preacher, it's too hard for me to live for God in this culture. You don't understand how difficult this is, preacher. The pressure's too great. The cost is too high. Listen. Don't tell me that you can't stand up for God in that office. Don't tell me that you can't stand up for God in that place of business, in your community, in your school, in your family, in your culture. Please don't tell me it's too hard. Don't tell me you can't take the pressure, that you might lose a few friends, that the cause isn't worth the cost. Would you be a man of conviction? Would you be a woman of conviction? Would you have some confidence in the power of your God to come through for you? when you live a life of obedience before him. All right. This is fixing to get good. Real good. Verses 25 and 26, look at them with me. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there's so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Now, I've tried to picture this in my mind's eye, what it must have been like. And Elijah is certainly there watching all this. And quite frankly, I just think he couldn't pass up an opportunity to have a little bit of fun. Look at verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. In other words, Elijah says, uh, fellas, this doesn't seem to be working out too well for you guys. Let me give you a little advice. Maybe you ought to try shouting louder. In other words, maybe your God's hard of hearing. Maybe he needs to turn his hearing aid up a little bit. Maybe the battery's gone dead. Shout louder. Maybe that's the problem. Or, hey, maybe he's deep in thought. Maybe your God's got something else on his mind here. You know, he can't do two things at once. He can't walk and chew gum. So let him get one problem out of the way before you bother him with another one. Or... Maybe he's busy. Now, church, this is something. The New International Version that I'm using here actually uses the word busy. If you're using the King James, it says perhaps he is pursuing. The New American Standard says maybe he's occupied or gone aside. 
Now, I really do not want to offend your delicate sensitivities this morning. But do you know what this word really means? It means to go to the toilet. In fact, if you've got the English Standard Version, that's exactly what it says. Maybe he is relieving himself. In other words, Elijah said, maybe your God had to go to the bathroom. Maybe that's the problem. I mean, this is, this is amazing. Or maybe, he said, he's away on a trip. Or maybe he's asleep, you know, took too much Ambien and and, uh, hadn't waked up yet. So Elijah just taunts these prophets of Baal, and he really ticks them off. Verses 28 and 29. So they shouted louder, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice But there was no response. No one paid attention. Now I want to let you in on a secret here this morning. You ready? Here it is. The gods of this world will never come through for you. No matter what anybody tells you. No matter what your friends tell you, no matter what Hollywood or Madison Avenue or Wall Street tells you, no matter what the culture might tell you, no matter how compelling the arguments of the people around you might be, church, when it is all said and done, when the books are finally balanced, When you come to the end of your life and you look back over everything you have experienced, when you boil it all down and you sum it all up, I can promise you this, if I don't ever promise you anything else, I can promise you this, the only one who has the power to come through for you is the one who has already come through for you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ about whom the Apostle Paul said, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. We serve a God we can put our confidence in when we are living lives of obedience before him. So the prophets of Baal get nowhere. (laughs) They never do. Baal goes nowhere. He never does. Oh, he promises, but he cannot deliver. So after all of this frenzy, look with me at verses 30 through 35, Elijah comes to the people. Very calmly, he says, come here to me. They came to him. And we read what happens here. He repaired the altar of the Lord that that had been allowed to fall into ruins. He then digs a trench around the altar. 
He puts wood on the altar and then he takes a bull and he sacrifices it and he cuts it up and he places it on the altar and then he does an amazing thing in verse 33. He says to the people, I want you to fill four large containers with water and I want you to pour it on the offering and I want you to pour it on the wood. Now you know, that ain't too bright. If you want to burn something, you don't douse it with water. But Elijah says, I want you to pour some water on this altar. Verse 34, he says, do it again. And then he says, a third time, do it again. In verse 35 tells us the water ran all over and through and down the altar, soaking the wood, soaking the sacrifice, filled up the trench that was all around the altar. You know what Elijah was doing? (laughs) He was making it hard for God. He was creating a situation that to everybody there on that mountain must have looked absolutely impossible. Do you see how much Elijah believed in his God? Do you see his confidence in God's power to come through for him? See, here's the question again. How much do you believe in your God? Do you just believe in him here in church? Or do you believe in him out there? In the real world, when the money's tight, when the job's uncertain, when the health is struggling, when the future's unclear, when your friends are turning against you, when what he's calling you to do is hard, when everybody else says, hey man, you're a fool, how much... Do you believe in your God? Do you really believe that he's all-powerful? Do you really believe that there's nothing that's too hard for him? Do you believe that? Then why aren't you serving him? Why aren't you standing up for him? Why aren't you out there confronting the gods of this age? Why aren't we out there impacting our culture for Christ? You see... Having confidence in God isn't just about believing in Him with our heads and in our hearts. It's moving out there with our feet. It's speaking it with our mouths. It's living it with our lives. It's demonstrating day in and day out that we believe and have confidence in the power of our God to come through for us when we're living lives of obedience before Him. So look at what happens here quickly, verses 36 through 38. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you're God in Israel, that I'm your servant and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, the Lord, are God and that you're turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Wow. God didn't just burn up the sacrifice. He burned up the entire altar, including the stones and the dirt around them. You know, when you burn stuff, you turn it into dust. Well, God consumed 
the dust, and he licked up the water. The water didn't put out the fire. The fire put out the water. Say, preacher, there you go again with all that Old Testament stuff. No, no. Can I tell you again? Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's the kind of God we serve. He can not only answer your prayer, but he'll throw in a bonus to boot. (laughs) But only if you're an Elijah kind of person. Only if you're totally committed to the person of God. Only if you're totally confident in the power of God. Only if you're a man or a woman of conviction. Man, we need some Elijahs today. More than any other time in my lifetime. We need some Elijahs. We need some men and some women of conviction who have totally committed themselves to the person of God, who are totally confident in the power of God, and who will stand and who will say, Here am I, Lord. Use me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time this morning. And Father, I pray that you will speak to your people. That we will grow weary. Of the explainable. And the predictable. And that we would long to see. You move in us and through us and bring change to our culture and revival to our nation as you did through your prophet Elijah. I'm reminded that James tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. He wasn't a superman. He was just a man. But he was a man of conviction. He was a man of obedience. Who had totally sold out to you. Who was totally confident. in Your ability to come through for him when he lived a life of obedience. Help us, Lord, to be that kind of people. It's the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Would you join me in standing? We're going to sing together. I surrender all. This is your opportunity to respond to what God may have said to you this morning. This altar's open. I'm here to pray with you. Maybe you need to unite with this church family. God's spoken to you about becoming a part of Taylor's First Baptist Church. We'd be glad to walk you through that process. Maybe you need Jesus. It's your personal Lord and Savior to follow in believer's baptism as these did this morning. Maybe you need to come at the point of the message. However, God's spoken as we see your opportunity to come right now. Would you, as we sit?